You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And I was just saying, Jeremy, what if an umpire had tripped over the Lions Center? What if they tripped over Frank Ragnow trying to set the ball? Like how many people over under how many people probably die in the ensuing case? Oh, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit.com. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Um, A little bit of pregame schadenfreude going into this one. Not going to lie. We just watched the Cowboys uh, do cowboy things. You know, just... Small, 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 small blessings you get in the new year. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Um, and now back streaming on Twitch, but we'll do that later. We've got a lot to talk about today. This is kind of the Brad Holmes year in a review where we all sit down and ask, what, 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 do you, what are you doing here exactly? And to help me do that is the man who looks like you would probably cut pretty well into a white collared shirt and a red tie. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, khakis not included. That, that seemed like a very backhanded compliment, but I'm going to take it. It's the mustache. Yeah. It's the mustache. It's a mustache. That's fair. Uh, yeah, but Brad Holmes. This is the Brad Holmes episode, and it, I, I will admit it, it's it's going to be a little hard to focus with what just happened to the Cowboys because boy, finishes <laughs> in in playoff history, but. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep it on track here and talk lines. And then if this is a benefit of, of watching via Twitch live, we'll, we'll definitely get into the, all the Dallas fun stuff. During yeah. The I, um, I, I thought uh, there, there was like, thir- I thought, wow, the, the end of this game does not need to be 40 minutes. And then the final two, and then at the 38 minute mark onward, suddenly everything was, was a lot better. It was a lot better, <laughs> but there's a lot to talk about, including our beloved ancient boy, Kellen Moore, who, um, I don't know. Uh, let's go to let's go to Kellen Moore expert Ryan Matthews, the rock god at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, do you think Mike McCarthy gets fired and Kellen Moore becomes the new head coach because Jerry panics and doesn't want to lose Kellen Moore in a bidding war? Uh, that's probably the best of all scenarios that play itself out. Whatever keeps Aaron for the Glenn Cowboys. away, what, whatever keeps Aaron Glenn out of the head coaching job, um, that, that should be a good thing. But uh, can we just pause for a second and say that sure. the extra wild card was a bad idea? Oh, it's a great idea. I don't know what you're talking about. Hold on. We haven't seen what the Steelers are going to do yet. tonight. <laughs> well, hold on. Yeah, hold on. We've got to give Ben Roethlisberger's chance to go out on a shield. Oh, and you yeah. know what? We haven't, we have yet to endure act four of the grand tragedy of Matthew Stafford. We're going to be, we're going to be live on Twitch during that entire game, by the way. We will, so, we will. And no mention that. of Kelly, no mention of Kelly Stafford. I'm going to say that right now. No mention of Kelly Stafford and ticket scalping that has been banned. 
just for you, audience. Twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, where we do this live every week. Even in the offseason, people kept saying, like, what's going to happen to you guys in the offseason? We had a lot of new listeners this year. Guess what? We're year-round because we're psychopaths. We are psychopaths. There will be more scraps. Uh, maybe at some point we do, like, parachute-in podcasts to check on when the Tiger season starts. Oh, wait, they're in lockout. Uh, we can catch up on the Pistons. Oh, that's really sad, actually. Uh, I don't know anything about hockey, but I'm assuming it's it's sad right now, right, Jeremy? <laughs> uh, last I checked, I think that's no longer true, but since, like last I checked, it was like since December 5th, the Lions and the Red Wings had won the same amount of games. Ooh. So, yeah, not great. Not great, Bob. They, 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 play, they play a lot more games, I imagine, than once a week. Yeah, they did have a bunch of like COVID, but whatever. We're, we could do we're, a USFL we're, Michigan uh, Michigan Panthers episode. We're doing this thing, Chris, that we did like three years ago where we're just avoiding talking about the Lions during the offseason for like the first five minutes of this podcast. No, we. I mean, well, <laughs> here's the thing. This is a meaty topic of me with, with no brains in my head is like staring at us being like, how do I talk about this? And yes, we are talking about Brad Holmes and we will get into Brad Holmes right now, but I felt like we, we haven't let the hair down in a while. It is the off season so it's going to be a little more loose until we hit draft time which then it's just balls to the wall isn't that right ryan i I don't like that image right now (laughs) for some reason but um let's talk about brad holmes huh let's talk about brad holmes so with the end of the season we get the brad holmes press conference from the general manager uh some interesting takeaways in there i think the most interesting thing and i think thing you've circled with the bullet jeremy is um you, I, I think when we were talking about this, you, you've basically described it as them saying that they've more or less, this is, these are words that are probably going to get you in trouble, but you described it as more or less admitting that the lions tanked this year. Yeah. I mean, not, not purposely. Like they didn't go out and try to throw games while they were out there on the field, but Brad no, Holmes, you can't do that in football, no. but this is the way you tank in the NFL yes. is tank. by butchering your roster. Right. And it, it's not, it's not necessarily even butchering your roster, but it's saying like, listen, I, he, he said it like, I have this list of veterans I could go out and sign, but I chose not to because our goal this year was to develop talent. They put that as, as their, their primary goal, not win games, not contend for the division, not win the Super Bowl. If he got all that stuff, great. But he basically admitted they could have added more talented players and they chose not to because they wanted to get their young guys uh, some playing time. And I thought that was a fast, like watching the team this year, like, yeah, that you could see that's exactly what happened, but it, it was kind of, I don't know if, if astonishing is the right word, but surprising a little bit to see Brad Holmes go up there and essentially admit that. And, uh, and, and it, 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 when we get into kind of grading his performance later in this podcast, it, it puts some of the decisions he made in the off season into, into clear view and, and understanding where maybe I didn't understand at the time. So I just thought it was kind of a, a fascinating admission and, again, not surprising. We all saw it. Like we all saw them have Nickel Roby Coleman on the practice squad all, all season. And you're just like, this, this guy has experience at the nickel. Why isn't he playing? And it's like, Oh, well, cause they wanted to see JJ Parker develop. And um, it, it's just kind of an interesting uh, admission, uh, not necessarily a hit on anyone's credibility or anything. It's just, yeah. I mean, and, and, and to be clear, that's the route they should have taken. It, 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 it ended up playing out perfectly. 
They, they developed a bunch of young guys. They, they got some guys that are going to stick around for a few years. And guess what? They get the second overall pick and everyone is on board. A hundred percent of Lions fans are on board with this regime right now, despite only winning three games. So I think like it, it's cool to hear him admit something that we all saw. And it's cool to see that plan kind of work out exactly as it should have. Yeah, I, I, I think, <clears throat> you know, speaking to, to Brad Holmes press conference and we're going to get into, you know, the, the, the more meatier points of it later. But I, I think this goes hand in hand, Jeremy, with where the team is heading now. Like Holmes had this like process set up and I, not to steal Sam Heinke's like, you know, uh, trust the process from the Sixers. Cause this isn't the same thing necessarily, but, but he mentioned that they're moving into like the player acquisition phase. Yeah. Right. So like what he admitted was essentially like, we weren't there yet. Like the players that we acquired were the undrafted free agents. Like you said, like the AJ Parkers and the Jerry Jacobs of the world and, and some of those other guys and, and getting them experience. <clears throat> when you think about, when you think about football teams, like if there's any way that you can strip down your roster and do this and do this quote unquote, the right way, like it sets up your team for success in year two in a way that, you know, those band-aid free agents that maybe were here a year ago and maybe aren't here now, like that foundation's a little bit more settled, right? Like there's more, it's, 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 it's much sturdier. And I think that that is something I'm glad that was a quote unquote, like luxury they were afforded because look at the way that some other organizations are run, right? Like look at what's going on in Houston with the Texans, like Cully getting fired, Casario, you know, doing whatever he's doing. If he lucks into Brian Flores, then Godspeed Texans. But like you can have an organization where like they aren't being afforded the luxury of having a quote unquote tank season. Like they're, they're not getting this opportunity to do things the right way. And, and Chris, you've talked about this for a while, but like, you know, Detroit fans haven't been treated to a rebuilding team and not just the lions. Like I think this is pervasive across like all Detroit sports. Like there hasn't been a proper rebuild until now. Like, I mean, Troy Weaver with the Pistons, you know, a couple of years ago, but like, yeah, I mean, I think they, the they get the benefit fully... of getting the number one pick and things like that, like some pretty fortuitous luck. The Lions, like you, you had to, you had to rip this Band-Aid. Yeah, like the Pistons had to basically crater out. They had tried to avoid it for so many years and they finally did. And I know the Tigers, that's a little different because that's, you know, well, they had to rebuild the farm system a long time ago. But at the same time, like that's not a salary cap sport. But to bring it back to the Lions, yeah, I, I mean, you you mentioned Jeremy Nickel, Roby Coleman. I'm I'm sitting here wondering to myself, like, how much were those veterans? How many wins does that actually give the Lions signing those veterans? And I don't think the answer is maybe half a win. Maybe they get maybe they get the Steelers. Get, no, no, no. I'm just saying because here's here's yeah. what I'm trying to say is like, again, I hate to do this because I you know how much I hate hashtag trust the process. It's, it's, I I think it's an awful marketing slang to try to get fans to buy into a team to, to a team that sucks. I don't, but I mean, but if the cost benefit of you hire uh, bringing in a bunch of veterans is not going to appreciably change your fortunes, you're not going to suddenly become a playoff team by getting, bringing those veterans in, then what's then, yeah, what is the point? 
What is the point if your job is to, and this is understood to be the first year of a rebuild. And yes, it is the first year of a rebuild. The Bengals who are in the playoffs and they've looked fine had to take three years. Zach Taylor had what six wins across two years. And now they're, and now bam, year three, they got Joe Burrow. I think they're a little ahead of schedule, but still like that's, that's what we're talking about here when we talk a rebuild. So yeah, what I don't see the fault in saying like, look, we're just not going to blow the money when we're still trying to get some just awful contracts off the salary cap too. Right. And, and it has all sorts of other benefits, primary of which is getting those young guys snaps, you know, basically that's, that's every seasoning. single draft yeah, yeah. depth. That's how you get good talented yeah. depth by giving right. them and you're giving snaps. these guys, you're giving these guys opportunities that would never get an opportunity elsewhere. You don't know what you have in some of these undrafted guys. And now you realize, Hey, Jerry Jacobs could be a good depth piece, maybe even a starter. If, if he develops in the next couple of years, same with AJ Parker, um, same with Tommy Kramer, um, all these undrafted guys that just never would have gotten an opportunity would probably just be on, be kicked off the team or be on a practice squad. And you'd never really get a chance to develop them. Um, you get the opportunity now. Now you have a young core of guys, young depth core, like you said, and plus all, all of your rookies, your, your draft picks, who, who were, the plan was for them to be part of this team in the future. Amon Ra developed this year. Panay we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get to all the rookies yeah. from the draft here. Yeah. The point me. being though, is these guys got a ton of playing time. All of them. Everyone yeah. is it basically except for Jamar Jefferson. And even he, I think learned plenty on this, uh, in yeah. this year. So yeah. You, yeah. you do. I mean, the, the team isn't trying. The, Brad Holmes didn't go into this year saying like, I'm going to play a bunch of rookies because I want to get the number two pick. Like that's yeah, not, and this that's team, not and this the team idea wasn't playing. Like they were told, like this team definitely was not being playing. Like they were told, no. Hey, you have to suck on purpose. That's not no. how, that's not how it works in football. They just uh, realized exactly what you said, like mm-hmm. adding a bunch of veteran pieces to help you get one, two, three more wins. If on the optimistic end, does nothing for you. doesn't help you develop players. doesn't give you a good draft pick. doesn't get you contending for the division or anything like that. It, it, it serves no purpose. And so I thought it was a really, really smart strategy. I, I have just one quick thing to say to add to that because they did add some veterans though. You know what? But they added the right guys. They added right. the guys who, who needed an opportunity like Alex Anzalone and Charles Harris. And they got team leaders. They got team leaders. Yeah. Right. And, and, yeah. He, and even from, the roster that they inherited. Right. So like Jalen Reeves, Maven at this point, he's a veteran, but they put him into a new role to see if he could fit that mold. So like Brad Holmes, very meticulously picked who he wanted to be on this roster for, for, you know, various reasons. And yeah. Now the other thing that it was interesting there. So they talked about, you know, not spending the talent. It's now on to the talent acquisition phase, but I think the other interesting thing, uh, Dan Cam, uh, excuse me, Anthony, I am getting names, Brad Holmes, Brad Holmes, (laughs) sorry, going through the Rolodex of names. You're adequate. Um, Brad Holmes talked about Anthony Lynn There's That's where I was going. Um, and he, he, I think Holmes let us know that Campbell's going to take a couple of weeks to think what's best. He has home support that it's his football team. So uh, yeah, we're looking already the, the front office is already looking at, you know, what it's going, what's going to be the future of the offensive play calling past Anthony Lynn. Yeah. It's uh it's interesting. Yeah. Dan, Dan Campbell basically said like, I mean, he said what he's been saying all season, which is like, he thinks he can be a good play caller, but he, he wants to do not what's best for him. He wants to do what's best for the team. And so he's going to take the next couple of weeks to think about it. 
Um, again, in the same breath, he mentions Ben Johnson, the, you know, the, the unsung hero of this defense. I, I guess I can't offense, even say unsung yeah. hero at this point. Uh, yeah. Uh, offense. <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy to me, like, obviously we have to kind of wait and see, but given how good things were going at the end of the season, given how, I guess, fragile, maybe, Jared Goff and, and the offenses where they, they couldn't get it to work for Anthony with Anthony Lynn for whatever reason. Like I don't see them changing anything. What I, I, if, if I had to guess right now and I, I almost feel, I'm not going to say hundred percent confident, but I feel like at least 50% confident that Dan Campbell's going to continue to call plays and you know, they'll Ben Johnson will get the official pass game coordinator title and that'll be that. And yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, do they need anything else? I don't think they really do. I mean, that the, the cool thing is you've got Deuce Staley there, who's already your assistant head coach. Like he's he can handle the run game from there too. Like yeah. maybe you bring someone on to staff yeah. as like an offensive assistant to help you draw up plays, but that's really about it. I feel like Ben Johnson plan is, that's, yeah, as you say, Ben Johnson slots on the in there as like o, official OC, but in reality, more of a you know passing coordinator and Dan Campbell calls plays. And that that's a really good point too, because um Anthony Lynn had essentially just become a run game coordinator. That's mm-hmm. like all, that's all he had done in the last half of the season. You're right. Like Deuce Staley is kind of a natural to, to pick up that slack right there. And maybe, maybe you're, you're spread a little bit too thin there. Cause that was one of the things that Dan Campbell said about, you know, taking over play calling is like, well, suddenly I don't have as much a hand in special teams and defense and things like that. Yeah. I think you just maybe there's assistance. that concern, but it kind of felt like he figured like maybe that there was some of that concern early when he took over, but by the end of the season, that didn't seem like much of an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the, the one other thing that I want to mention that kind of coincides with Dan Campbell wanting to take a couple weeks and to, to figure things out. I'm going to be interested to see whether or not the lions make something official before the senior bowl, or if Dan Campbell uses the senior bowl as an opportunity because, you know, head coaches this year are taking an advisor role. So Good point. I mean, he's going to be bringing the rest of his coaching staff. Maybe he wants to kind of do a simulated, you know, we're, we're game planning, we're practicing, we're, you know, and, and then there's the eventual senior bowl game, which ironically is usually like the least important thing that happens during senior bowl week. But it could be something that could be kind of valuable for Dan Campbell and his evaluating process. Yeah, a little trial sure. run. I like that. Yep. All right, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to keep going on with the performance review. Uh, we haven't given a grade yet. We haven't given any verdict, but I think the big place to start is discussing some of the wheeling and dealing Brad Holmes has done in the past calendar year. And that starts with the big one that starts with the big, the trade of Matthew Stafford, which everyone had opinions on, which everyone had takes on about whether or not it was the right team, the right trade, the right value. And I think now that we are neat, we're at the end of the season, the lions have their pick locked in and there's a range at which the Rams pick will come in i think it's uh and and we've got some more insight on other teams who've taken other trendy uh prospects that lions fans wanted it's a good time to reevaluate all that we'll be right back on the pride of detroit pod cast Vacations can be tricky. 
You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Before we get into it, though, um, I did want to bring this up because it was just brought to my attention. I don't know. It, it's cryptic, so we're going to spend like two, two seconds on it. I do know we did, we did mention Alex Anzalone as the kind of team leader in the last segment that Brad Holmes had like invested into. Uh, he posted on Instagram earlier today black and white picture from his back saying it was a privilege to play for the lions organization this year truly had one of the more most fun seasons playing football in my life despite everything being chosen the captain by my peers has been an honor that i'll never forget as chapter five ends six begins so not much to go on there i think maybe six still involves detroit but uh something to keep an eye on yeah i mean i think a lot of people are reading that as a farewell but if it's year five, that means every year in New Orleans was, was one chapter. So year yeah. six could theoretically be in Detroit as well. Um, but yeah, he, he's kind of an interesting kind of player because I don't think he was particularly great this year. I don't, maybe even good would be in, a reach, but he was undoubtedly someone that they needed this year as a leader, as someone who knew the defense. The question is, do they still need that kind of player? If, if they're in the, the roster acquisition phase, as Brad Holmes said, do they still need a guy that'll help set the tone and will set the culture and things like that? Or did Barnes and, and Reeves Maven, who's also a free agent, did they get enough experience where they can say goodbye to, to him? I, I think in our episode with uh, Kyle Mikey that we had earlier this week for First Bite Jeremy, that he probably put it best like yeah. – Alex Anzalone is one of those players that the Lions just like need to upgrade in order to take uh, the next step. And, yeah. you know, he, he's just one of those guys. So. All right. Moving on from that, then, as I said, that would be quick. Uh, let's start as we look towards more of Brad Holmes performance review. Here comes the big one. First, first, you know, first few days in the chair and he's got to handle in 2021. The biggest decision he's got is how to deal Matthew Stafford. And he chose a deal with the Rams. Lions got back Jared Goff. 
two first round draft picks, not in 2021, but two first rounds of the futures, including this year and a third round. So I get, and we've spent the greater part of that of last off season with fans wondering if that was the right decision, because I think as reports came out, we got more news about the details of what the Panthers are trying to offer that I think number eight in 2021 was on the board. Uh, some other offers. I don't think we've seen metastasize yet, but I think some lions fans drove themselves into a bit of a frenzy because they saw the bears pick Justin Fields. And there was a lot of questions about Jared Goff going into the year. I think during the break, Ryan, we had talked about uh, maybe, maybe Jared Goff playing better changes some of those uh, things. But I guess since I will start with Ryan on this side, like, where, where do we stand on the Stafford trade? Because I just don't see the problem that some other fans do. And I've noticed that a lot of the, the chatter about Justin Fields has really kind of cooled off too. Yeah. I'm starting to think that <laughs> I'm starting to think that Brad Holmes is a pretty smart guy um, because here's, here's what the Los Angeles Rams deal did by taking that deal instead of the, Instead of the Panthers offer. Yeah, let's just say the Panthers deal is let's, what we're holding up against. Yeah. Yeah, let, let's hold that up because those are I mean, those are the only two trades where we we know like the details, right? I think I think like, most other teams that they were in the running for Stafford were probably offering a first round either in 2021 or 2022. Yeah. So, you know, with with the Panthers, we knew that they were offering the the number eight pick and Teddy Bridgewater, right? So I think what Brad Holmes does is he 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 says to himself, Jared Goff is the player that I'm familiar with, a player that I most likely did a ton of scouting on because he was the eventual number one overall pick in a draft. Like, I think what Brad Holmes said to himself was, this is the devil I know. You know, this is the guy that I feel comfortable bringing in. I'm also bringing back two first-round draft picks and a third-round pick in future capital. I know how valuable those first-round picks can be. Like maybe, maybe by the time we're the lions are in 2023, maybe that's an opportunity for me to trade for an established veteran player. Like, you know, less need has done in, in Los Angeles with the Rams, but even beyond that, like, I, I think it just really boils down to Brad Holmes for better or for worse. And, and we'll, and we'll find out, but he, he decided that Jared Goff was the, the guy that he knew best. And I feel like it was the right move. I still feel like it was the right move because the alternative is, and I think the alternative that people talk themselves into is with the Panthers pick at number eight, the lions could have got Justin Fields. They could have got Mac Jones. They could have gotten a quarterback. Right. But didn't we just see how tough a rookie season can be on a quarterback? Like that doesn't have a team around them. Like I'm not ready to sell all my stock in Trevor Lawrence because the Jaguars were a bad football team. I'm not ready to sell my stock in any of those top guys because of the bad season they had on a bad football team. Like, so I would rather have Jared Goff be that bridge than have a rookie quarterback be that bridge. Yeah. And I guess I'll, I'm going to let Jeremy get in here uh, real soon. I just wanted to get this out for myself that, the problem too is like, yeah, you also start the clock on a quarterback at that point. If you go another position, you don't have that capital for the future. And as we're seeing this year, having that extra pick for 2023 is probably going to be helpful because you look at this quarterback draft class right now. And unless Brad Holmes has his eye on someone 
as a developmental prospect, there's no can't miss quarterback. So you've got the flexibility with future picks to be like, all right, well, we can still put together a package two years down the line. And again, it is the first year of a rebuild. It took someone like the Bengals three. And that's probably them overperforming a little bit early on. And and to that point real quick, Chris, like to paint like a clearer picture, say in 2023, the Lions are like the fifth worst team in the NFL still. That means they have the number five pick, whatever the Rams pick is, and another second round pick. They can move up and maneuver and stuff like that if they want to get their quarterback of their choosing. Let me let me play a little bit of devil's advocate here because I, I do think there's an argument to be made that the Panthers deal would have this team on a better course or a quicker course. I think it's probably the, 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 the main argument there. Like, I think the argument is that, first of all, I think what the argument is kind of molded into is Brad Holmes fell in love with Jared Goff. And so he went out and get his guy. Do you really you know, believe that? Though? It, like, did you believe no, that? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Um, but that's how the argument goes is that sure. It's a guy he loves. It's a guy he thinks is, is going to be a Super Bowl contender again. All we heard was he was such a winner, 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 winner. Chicken. And so he, he was biased about getting his guy. Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Where I think there's some legitimacy to the argument is that you've now tied yourself to a quarterback who is very expensive, very much limited what you could do in free agency this year. Going to do it again a little bit this this upcoming year as well. And now you're kind of stuck in a spot where if you had gone to Carolina, you'd have a Teddy Bridgewater who could kind of carry you and be okay, not have a big cap commitment. And and yeah, you could have gone with a young quarterback and you're right. Was a young quarterback going to succeed this year or, or even next year if the lines went that route? No, wouldn't have, but they'd be in a position where they have potentially their quarterback of the future book is obviously still very much written on Mac Jones and, and, and Justin Fields and all that sort of stuff, but you'd be one year further along. You'd have more free agents. Maybe that you, maybe you go out and sign John Johnson, right? Like maybe that was not a guy who, who the lines never really had a shot at. Um, and so they, they might have more assets. You're, you're a year further along in developing your young quarterback and you're in an okay position. The problem I have with all of that is that you're rushing. To me, you're rushing into everything. And I know a lot of people are like, you're telling me I got to wait three years into this rebuild? Yeah, sorry. You might have to. like, Because even if if, if the Lions don't add a quarterback this year and they have to add one in 2023, Lions probably aren't going to be great in 2023 if they have to start that rookie quarterback, right? You just said it. Like, rookie quarterbacks struggle. So now we're kicking the can down to 2024. And you're like, and by the way, you started the clock on that guy's contract too. Right. Yeah. If, if you, if you draft one this year or last year, you, you've now started, you're, you're, your you're basically, but, you're basically forcing him to sit there for two, at but, least but now I'm saying yeah. situation you're in now is potentially this team might not compete for the division might not compete for a Super Bowl until 2024, not this year, not next year. Cause you're going to have that rookie guy next year. If you pass on a quarterback. Yeah, that sucks. You'd like it to happen a little bit quicker, but I'm here for sustained, sustained success. I'm not here for quick success, success, because you know, who got quick, success why is it that hard that we're wow. so hard for we're the really, really struggling like we could rush into it and be the browns and and just throw all these draft picks and then get baker mayfield and we're all going to be okay nope turns out that didn't work there if if this team wants to do the slow burn and i have to wait till 2024 until this team is competing fine if yeah, they look. if they be, create a consistent winner that's the only thing i care about if this team is consistently competing for a super bowl competing for the division all that sort of stuff i can wait 3 years i've waited 35 
Yeah, look, it's and there's no guarantee it'll it'll work even on the slow burn too. Of course, but but like so what? Like let's I just, see it. I out. don't know. Yeah, I, I I would I just I like this idea, and I mean the, the golf things. The golf things fascinating because I know I think we are. Uh, I think some of us are. I think some of the people here are probably more fans. I think we're all more fans of Teddy Bridgewater than most people I know on the national stage who have watched Teddy Bridgewater and do not think he is much of a quarterback there. Um, but I mean, they were all kind of whatever options. I think the thing is that, yeah, golf is worth more money, but he's also under your control a bit longer. And to be honest, he had more upside. Like it was always a chance to get him back to the 2018, uh, you know, form. I don't think that was ever going to happen, but look what's happened near the end of this year. Has he gotten rhythm with Josh Reynolds? He got in rhythm with Amon Ross St. Brown. Something he's taking as the playbook opens up more for him with Dan Campbell. Something he's taking shots downfield. I don't know if that translates into 2022, but I think it leaves you in a better position. And and one other factor about Jim, a more Goff flexible position. Yeah. That, that I think deserves some praise for him. And I mentioned it on Twitter is like that dude was one of the most mentally strong people in the NFL this year that whole culture stays afloat because Jared Goff did not blink when it was no mid-November and everyone in Detroit wanted to see him gone oh yeah everyone could could a rookie do that could Justin Fields have kept the the culture the 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 morale of that offense up I don't know man that's a lot to put on a rookie I was going to say, I, I think the, the better question is, would you want to do that to any rookie quarterback that right. you'd have in that situation? Like you, you, you just don't want to put that guy in, Dude, in the, that spot. New, New York wants to be rid of Zach Wilson already. <laughs> like, I don't want to be in the Jets position. I don't want to be in Salah's position where you've got a rookie quarterback who has just taken an unbearable amount of abuse from, from a nasty, from some very nasty fans and a, in a, in a just, viper tongue press like that's that that's rough man that's rough for anyone you might think that these guys are getting paid a lot but still that's a zach wilson's what 23 24 that's a lot for anyone at that age to take it yeah i i think it comes back to 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 you know jeremy you know you playing devil's advocate the only thing that popped in my head was yeah brad holmes knew though that this was going to be a quote-unquote tank season this was going to be a season where players who were young were going to get opportunities to play. And, you know, that that's just not the environment for a rookie quarterback. Like you need someone who, who can, you know, mentally withstand that. And he knew that Jared Goff would be that kind of guy. And, and like Chris said, Teddy Bridgewater has never had a season like Jared Goff has had. Uh, it, 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 yes. It might have been, under the perfect circumstances with a generational running back and plenty of wide receivers to throw the ball to, but like he did it. Like he still put up the numbers. He put up the stats like Teddy Bridgewater's never had a season like that. So, I mean, how can you argue with two first round picks, a third round pick and a quarterback that, you know, can at least float you that extra first round is what sticks it for me too. Because again, lions have flexibility now on when they want to like, Put the capstone on the street. First, first round picks will never not be valuable. Never. I got, never. I got one yeah, quick will be question. starters all the time. What's up? I got one quick question for you guys before we move off Stafford because there's a lot more moves. That, yeah, we got a lot. Brad we got Holmes a lot. Yeah. Um, do you think that Brad Holmes had an obligation to trade Stafford to a place he wanted to be traded? Because that was that's the other part of the equations that sounded like he didn't want to go to Carolina. Yes, I believe so. I believe so. I think especially. 
I think the short answer is yes, too. Yeah. I could get into a much longer answer. Maybe we do that in another podcast. I don't have the time to get into it. We've got a lot more, as you say, a lot more. So let's let's do the last five minutes in this segment like this, because third segment, want to talk about all of his rookie class from 2021. But Jeremy, I'm going to give you, you know, he, he made a lot of decisions on signings and re-signings this year. Name two that you would probably say stand like two or three that stands out to you, and just kind of we'll go rapid fire on these. Like, well, can, like, can we start with Kenny? Like can, we we need yeah, to start can we start with, with Kenny Galladay because <laughs> we need to revisit that and give like as as bad as Brad Holmes bungled the the wide receiver position in free agency in terms of guys he added. He probably deserves a pretty significant pat on the back for for handling the Kenny Galladay. Not not biting on the Kenny Galladay fool's gold. Yeah, right. Um, because I mean for a lot of reasons like it was probably not even an option to franchise tag him considering how little cap space they have, but they could have given him an extension and given everything we knew about how long this rebuild was going to be already probably a bad idea, given how much he wanted very much a bad idea. And given how not great he is without Matthew Stafford turns out that was a humongously smart decision and the lines are probably going to get a third round pick in return for it too. So it, it, it was, it was smart because I, I think we had pointed out at the time, what had you actually seen of Kenny Galladay on the field in like large volume? There wasn't a lot for us to, for, for us to go on. So the prudent move was, are you sure I'm this guy is worth like the super mega contract? The giants said yes. And for the giants tr- tr- uh, troubles, no touchdowns. And I think the yardage between him and Kadarius Tony still doesn't really catch up to what Amon Ross St. Brown did this year. Big pat on the back for that. That that one goes in the pros column. Let's just say yes, that. yes. <laughs> for so for do, his performance do we, review. Do we think the Matthew Stafford trade though? Like, do we think that goes in the pros column for sure? I think it does. Yes, I, I, yeah. I think I think there's still a little TBD because obviously you have to use those tra- draft picks well for it to be worth it. But in terms of return, I think I think we all agreed at the time that was a heck of a return. I don't think we expected to. Do you remember at the time people were like? I don't think you can get a first round for Matthew Stafford. And I'm yeah, just like, I had some, I had some guys guys. are insane. And they get two first and a quarterback in return and a third. But yeah, yeah I, I think, I think it goes in the pros, but not, not at, like we've got, we've got Kenny Galladay all the way over there. It's like S tier. Yeah. yeah. That's S tier. I love S tier. All right. <laughs> um, what about Matt Prater then? Like, so he didn't resign Matt Prater. I know that was quibbling at the time. But I mean, hell, kickers are people too. They want to try to go play with, you know, a, a team that can probably get them to a ring at some point too. I'm, I'm, it sucks. And it kind of took the Lions a while to find the kicker that will work for them. But I don't know if Prater was for the value he, for, for what it would have cost him, was the move. This, but this I, is- I put that in the so, I put this in like, I don't know, a C tier. I'm not, I'm not. I'm yeah, not it, thrilled with it, but I'm also not going to ruin my lunch over it. It's it's a tricky one because again, I think you have to go back to Holmes's press conference where he says, "Listen, we're we're finding young players. We're we're not re-signing veterans. We're we're trying to get young and figure out where to go." And and does Matt Prater kick for another six years? I don't know. Maybe maybe not. Um, in terms of price, though, the Lions struggled to find a kicker, and all the money that they spent trying to find that kicker. And I bet Ryan's looking for that tweet right now where just saying basically everything that the Lions spent to get Matt Prater's replacement essentially cost them what it would have been to just keep Matt Prater. 
And, and I don't, here's the thing. Riley Patterson, great finish to the season. I'm not sure he's this team's kicker for the future yet. He's a rookie. He hasn't made a kick beyond he made one kick beyond 50 yards, I think, and missed another. Like he still needs to prove himself to be this key. I I'm just uneasy that this team still does not have a kicker that I'm hundred percent confident. Maybe it's him. I mean, we, we can't even forget about Austin cyber. He, he was doing okay too. Um, but they don't have a set kicker yet. And I don't think that's great for this team's future, but it's also something that shouldn't be a very high priority. So I'm, I'm okay with that move, but I'm not, not great. I'm not, not thrilled with it. The, the only thing that I can really add to this is that like, I'm so, I'm so sorry, Hamza, but like special teams just like, don't really matter. Yes. Let's go Ryan. Like, okay. So I was, I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking about like, I was really, I mean, like I was getting pretty upset with like John and, and Jerry, like both of them, like for how much we'd go back and forth about Matt Prater stuff. And like, in hindsight, like it just didn't really matter because you know what? The Lions literally went through, like, what was it, like six kickers? Like, at at least just to find Riley Patterson, and we're still sitting here like, I don't know, Riley Patterson might might not be the answer. But, like, that's the case for, like, almost every team in the league. The Lions only lost one game because of their kicker. They they lost one game because of the kicker this year, right? And they 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 tied. And they tied. (laughs) Yeah. So, like. Special teams don't matter. You're just going to, you're going to, you're going to go with the kicker you have. Like, but you know what, you know, you know what, you know, what's better than kickers is touchdowns. True. Um, And going for two is better than going for one too. So that's true. Kickers don't matter. And and, and, well, to be honest, the only thing that they matter in, in, in a Dan Campbell led team is can they throw the football? Yeah. Can your kicker and punters throw? (laughs) That, that means Jack Fox is S tier. I don't know about (laughs) special teamers need to be able to play offense. Yeah. Because offense is better than special teams. All right. All right. We we got it. We got to go real quick. (laughs) We got to find at least one or two more guys here that we can just talk about real quick. Um, can we talk about the wide receivers like that? Just, yeah, yeah. I got to talk say, about something. I was going to say did wide receivers well. and like Charles Harris, but like, well, I think I think we we're all in agreement. Charles Harris is a great pickup. Oh yeah, Charles Harris is is a, a huge win for yeah. how much? One one year, one point seven five million. Yeah, yeah, Incredible less than two million. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, but yeah, like, let's talk about what why, what happened with the wide receivers because that was a point of consternation until until he managed to score Josh Reynolds. Right, and I don't know, like I. Can we be honest? Like how much That's credit are we term. even, how, how many, how much credit are we giving Brad Holmes for basically putting in a waiver claim that everyone knew he was going to put in? Like every single person in the NFL would have put in that waiver. claim. Yeah. I don't, I, I listen, I don't give him any credit for if I'm being completely honest, Josh Reynolds fell into their lap. So Brad Holmes does have to answer for not doing great at the wide receiver position. Tyrell Williams, $3 million. Brashad Perriman, $3 million. You got half a game out of those two. Not great. We have to put we have to put some in the in the cons section here. I think that's that's right at the top. Josh. Yeah, Hill. and I don't think Josh I mean, Hill isn't really his fault, but the Lions didn't really have a TE two situation, and, and the gives, one that they ended up adding that they they sent him packing after he wanted to go. So it's just like eh, tight tight end and wide receivers were issues this year, and yeah, and, and he gives spread home's fault. He gives Khalif Raymond probably like one a uh, little over one million and like. Cleef Raymond wasn't terrible. He was a good option, but he's not anything like I felt that one was kind of a bit of a, like a tryout thing and it just didn't really work well. 
But right. like you, you, you were at a point where you had to rely on Khalif Raymond at some point in the season. So like that's was on your roster, and that was what uh, Jared Goff had to work with. The the one interesting thing I, I I think I see here though, in contrast to the rest of the roster, is that you know Holmes talked about in his press conference, and we talked about it in, in segment one. But like there were veterans that he could have went and got, but like the only position he did that with were the wide receivers. And I think that he probably did that in an effort to prop up Jared Goff. Like, I mean, as far as the guys that he could get, he went and got like veteran guys that were kind of like we talked about, like the reclamation projects, right? Like Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman. And then after that, it was, after that didn't work, it was just a mad scramble. And like yeah. an in-season mad scramble like that, like he did get lucky. He he got Josh Reynolds to fall into his lap, but you know, there's something else came out of there. But yes. I, I yeah. think, I, I think what makes it exacerbates it is that you lost two, you know, wide, wide receivers that would have been great for the roster uh, before like in free agency too. Like, I don't think Marvin Jones is, is coming back with the lions, but losing Jamal, uh, Jamal Agnew, Losing him probably hurt. Now, granted, the Jaguars also unloaded uh, quite a bit of money for Agnew, but still that you couldn't keep one of those two veterans around when you knew you really didn't have much to work on in the wide receiver room was was probably probably a mark. And then, okay, so wide receiver was an issue. I think corner was an issue too that he deserves at mm-hmm. least a little blame for. Obviously, like no one expects Jeff Okuda to, to get injured for the season in his first game. No one expects if Abdelmelifanu to shortly follow him, but they signed some guys that never played a down like Quentin Dunbar took a, took a risk there. Corn elder, a guy who played corner and safety and essentially didn't result to anything. And like this team left themselves incredibly thin. And maybe again, maybe this is all by design. Maybe they, they just wanted to get their young guys in there, but I, I don't think even, I think, allowing Jerry Jacobs and AJ Parker to start games for them. I don't think that was part of the original plan. I don't. And I think, I think they left themselves pretty thin. And I remember like screaming, like, where is this team's depth at corner? You're, you're going to rely on Ifatu Melifano to be your one depth guy that, that, that can maybe play. And you don't even know if he can play. It was, it was rough sledding there. And so, you know, I, I know we're pushing up against break here, so I, I'm going to kind of conclude my point here, which is just, I'm not sure about Brad Holmes' free agency yet. There, there are a lot of there are a lot of caveats here. One is injuries screwed him a bunch. Two is they didn't have a ton of cap space. But he had a lot of swings in free agencies that didn't really work out. And I think the places that he missed really have impacted this team, especially early in the year. Yeah, I, I'll give him this. I don't think it's easy to swing and hit when you are going for for budget veterans. You're bunting essentially. <laughs> no, no, you're 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 basically you're the, those are low percentage sure. swings there. Yep. So like, yeah, I mean, you do have to hit some of them, but it's it's hard for me to like look at those and say like, yeah, that's really bad that he keeps missing on them because I don't know many people who go bargain bargain bin on veterans and do get, you know, a lot of great hits. Well, except let, for let, one. Let, let me ask you the most important question though is mm-hmm. do do any of those signings hurt the Lions in 2022? Only one move hurts the Lions in 2022. And it's it, the, the chat is screaming, and I can't believe I forgot it when you were talking about wide receivers. Trinity Benson trade. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to lose my mind over it. You shouldn't lose your mind over it, but it, it's something to like, – no, it, it definitely belongs in the no, – Those in the are day, those a, are day three picks, though. Those are day three picks. Sure, but it's two. You get one back. You, 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 it's a seventh. It's a seventh. A fifth. Seventh is a. The seventh is a fart in the wind. Sure. 
but you're essentially getting back a fart in the wind too. So you're losing a fifth. Like fifth is not nothing. I'm on okay. a fourth round pick, Chris. I know, but he wasn't fifth. <laughs> Levi owns Enrique was a second round pick. He's almost a first round pick. He was. We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, we should, we should, because we're way up against the clock. We're going to take a break now over to the draft side of things. And then final grade for Brad Holmes in his first year as general manager, first season as general manager, as we continue the offseason with the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Third segment of the Pride of Detroit POD cast, our last one for this episode. And we've talked free agency with Brad Holmes. And I think we, we admit there's some probably some less than stellar marks. Although I think we're, we're all in agreement that the Stafford trade on paper was you know, good. And um, we've discussed tanking and we've discussed other things. Let's talk about the draft that was now that we've got a full season. I I'm kind of, I'm kind of of the mind that I don't want to go too hard on rookie performances too much, sure. just because like some, like, as we know, these guys take years to develop in the league, but you know, I guess we can start with Panay Sewell. We can start with Panay Sewell taken at number seven quarterback and seemed like it was going to be a consideration. Uh, the lions, I believe tried to trade up for Jamar chase, but the Bengals, uh, they couldn't really pull it off. And the Bengals were too eager to get Jamar chase back with his college quarterback with Joe Burrow, Burrow. So they, but they still took the best tackle on the board, even though I'm sure Ryan has some arguments as far as Rashawn Slater. And, but I, I think Panay Sewell has going by PFF grades, going by every metric we've had so far and going past the scare that started the year with Panay Sewell, where it looked like the lions People were plenty scared about this idea of moving Panay Sewell to right tackle because Taylor Decker was, was going to play at left. And it was a worry about what that would do for him, but we've seen him uh, perform very well and even excel on both, both sides of the line. So I, I, I guess, Jeremy, looking at that, we're looking at the grade on him. I guess I give that Panay Sewell a, a uh, probably a, a minus as a pick. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of want to go back to my mindset that week, and I'm sure you guys could go back and listen to the podcast. I think originally I'm like, okay, that was a solid pick. And then, you know, drafting a tackle to... is never sexy. It's right. never sexy. But, but then we saw like some of the behind the scene videos, we heard some reports. And I think my main concern coming out of that was that they fell a little bit too much in love with one guy. It yes, was... that's right. I remember you, I remember you having that argument. Yeah. Like it was, it was, I mean, they almost fell too, too much in love with Jamar chase. Like they, they almost traded up for him. And I think we, we were all in agreement. Like this team is not in a position to, to trade up. They need as many picks as possible. And so they never really seemed that interested in trading down. And I think they, they may have gotten a call about it. And so that was my main concern is like, 
I think Panay Sewell is the right pick at seven, but I also kind of am sketchy with, with their methods, how they got there. Now, I, I think in general, it's bad business to fall in one in love with one guy, but we come out of this draft and the two guys that, that they were apparently really in love with at the top of this draft were Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell. Two guys who are freaking amazing this year. Like yeah, I think, I think Jamar be made that bad about that. I think Jamar Chase right. is Jamar Chase is definitely re- winning offensive rookie of the year. I feel right. like he might yeah. win rookie of the year. Period. Too. I, is, I don't even know if that's an official award, but either way, like oh no, I, I guess it's not. The, I'm an idiot. The, don't the, don't mind. Either me. way, the, the point being, like Brad Holmes was obsessed about two guys and convinced that two guys were going to be special, and he was right on both. So. Even if I had some consternation at the time with with how they went about it, they got, I think, the right guy. And I don't think anyone can realistically have a complaint other than if you wanted a, a quarterback. And and that that's the other part about this is we might look at this three years down the road and be like, eh, they probably should have gotten Justin Field, then they should have gotten Mac Jones. We we no, talked about we, that already. We talked we, about we that can't, already. We we can't even complain about Mac Jones because no yeah. one wanted Mac Jones there. But Justin Fields is something that we'll have to monitor going forward. But I think I'm pretty darn happy with what they did there. Can't have Mac Jones. Can't play in Green Bay. Can't play in cold weather. Um, so that just would have been a bad decision. Um, but Panay, you know, I think the thing that's kind of understated about Panay is is what you kind of alluded to, Jeremy. But like to drive that point home, this guy, like he struggled, as Chris said, you know, to to begin his his rookie campaign in the preseason, but. This guy went from one side of the line to the other side of the line to back to the other side of the line. And he did it without like, you never heard anything about Panay Sewell complaining. You never heard anything about Panay Sewell not being up to the challenge or like taking it head on. And, and when he, you know, needed to, to play right tackle, you know, in the preseason, it, it wasn't a problem going back to left tackle to fill in for Taylor Decker. It wasn't a problem. I, the, the people who made the biggest bugaboo about Panay Sewell and his rookie season were fans that were doing the hand wringing of, I don't know if this is good for Panay Sewell. It's not good for his development. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, what's this going to do? It's going to stunt him. Who cares? Like they got a dude. Like I, I, I'm right there with you, Jeremy. Like, yeah, they fell in love with guys, but they fell in love with like, perhaps the, right the two best players in the draft <laughs> yeah. they fell in love with the right guys yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so um i mean absolute a plus for for picking sewell at uh at seven all right moving on to picks to the the second and third picks both defensive tackles i will lump them in there alan mcneil Aline mcneil sorry and uh levi on and um I think McNeil is the one we can kind of leave to the side. I think he performed well. I think it was clear that he just doesn't have the edge help to help him clean up when he does get penetration and he's a young tackle there. Onzerike is the more interesting of the two picks. He was the second pick, you know, McNeil was round three or uh, uh, he was, he was picked. He was the third pick, excuse me. Third third round. Okay. Just making sure. Um, and I know we had reports that they were trying to trade into the first, which is again, Jeremy's uh, right. criticism about them maybe falling too in love with guys about this. Although I think that would have been like 32nd if they did trade into it at all. I don't think that's too much of a value, but you still lose some value there. And like, look, he did, you know, it was a bit of a rough year for him and up and down. But I just, I, I, th- I feel like he's one of those players they got more for development. Yeah, it's 
it's it's no doubt and again we have to go back to what chris said at the top like this is year one of this rookie class. Let's not jump to conclusions. But as of right now, it's it's the worst pick they made. And the fact that they almost traded up for him is, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of that. Maybe they fell a little bit too much in love with the guy and not the player or whatever it was. Because I think we can all agree, like, top to bottom, culture-wise, all of these guys are a fit. And, and, I, and you know, it, it's clear that that was a priority for, for Brad Holmes and, and probably Dan Campbell to get the guys that fit this culture. Um, but, yeah, Levi has not worked out as, as a, as a top two pick should be. And Brad Holmes talked about him and said, you know, he had a year off last year. He didn't, he opted out. He had the the back injury where they, they briefly even considered redshirting him for the entire year. It was that serious where they're just like, maybe we just throw this first season out trash, get him physically right. And then go about our right work. Um, But I, I guess the biggest disappointment for me is not that Levi didn't dominate. It's that we didn't see really that much improvement. We didn't see him get, a lot better by the end of the year and I'm not asking him to be a top 10 defensive tackle by the end of the year, but need, need to see something. And, and we, it, it's, it's what Dan Campbell said. It was way too much like one flashy play and then one or two, where it's just like, you need to work on that one flashy play. And then a couple more where you need to work on that. So it's, it's a disappointing pick. It's this bugaboo second round pick thing that, that, that the lions are cursed on right now. Um, hopefully, you know, year one to year two is, is typically a big jump for a lot of these guys. And maybe with a full year, I mean, you got a lot of playing time. That's the, again, the one positive, um, but not, not at all up to what the standard should be for a second round pick in his first year. Yeah. I, I can't add too much to that. Yeah. So uh, moving on. So speaking of position that again, rookie, Afatu Melifonwu, just real quick. What were your thoughts on him? I, I think you have to be encouraged by Melfonwu. Like, you know, with the way I, – I don't want to put too much stock into it, but, like, when you have to go against the the receivers in the NFC North, you know, who knows if Devontae Adams will still be here. But, like, I mean, it's a murderer's row. Like, you know, one week it's Justin Jefferson, another week it's Devontae Adams, another week it's Allen Robinson. Like The out-of-division divi- out schedule, too, was brutal to play, you know. Yep. You, you, had, you had Hopkins in there. You had – um you had to Cooper Cup. You had just so many other just great receivers. The De- Debo, Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. yeah. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett back yep. when they were finally healthy. Like, yeah. I mean, Melifon, the, the thing that was a bummer to him, though, was like the injury, right? Like, if the injury doesn't happen, that's clearly one of those positions, like Jeremy talked about in the second segment, where like the secondary, there wasn't a lot of depth there. I think they were counting on guys like Melifonwu to play. They were counting on Okuda to not get hurt. Yeah. And they wanted a lot of those young guys to, to get reps and get playing time and not be relying on undrafted free agents. So um, kind of like the, the the inverse of Levi, like Levi gets hurt early, misses a lot of that training camp time and in, you know, into the preseason and then just can't really out rep anybody. You know, he's got like Michael Brockers ahead of him, you know, Nick Williams ahead of him, a couple of veteran players that they need. Melifanwu like had the opportunity with the Okuda injury and then just, you know, the injury kind of, it's almost kind of like an incomplete grade because you don't want to put too much stock into just like the last, (laughs) the last game of the season against Devontae Adams and he makes one really, really good play. It wasn't really good, but here's the thing, like that first game against the Packers before his injury, he was doing a pretty good job against Devontae Adams. And so that, I mean, I think there was more flashes with Iffy than there was Levi. And that's, that's a good thing because I think that it's a much tougher 
you know, curve learning curve for, for a corner, obviously, but like, you know, he was bad against Kyle Pitts. He was get bad against the Seahawks too. So, um, especially for a corner like him up. too, like yeah. he's not like a super athletic guy in the sense that like he's more of a like physical tools yeah. guy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Now we get to the Kool Aid's nugget. Now we get to the real the real one. Amon Ross St. Brown. So, I mean, I, we're giving Chris, S, I mean we're giving S plus grades on this yeah, one. Right? I mean. The, 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 <laughs> I, I think it's not, it not only speaks to Brad Holmes's, you know, ability as, as a talent evaluator, but his patience too, because like, I mean, you, how can you not think about this pick and not think about the moment in the draft room where, where Sheila is tapping him on the shoulder and be like, we haven't, we haven't drafted a wide receiver yet. What's going on? And he says like, don't worry, I got this. That USC guy, we got him. We're gonna get him. Like, it's funny you mentioned day I mean, two. It, it's funny you mentioned like patience because that does seem to go counter to yeah, what we were yeah. just saying for the yep. top of the top of the draft, where you're worried about them trading up for be it for Anzarike or for Jamar Chase, but somehow yeah. he's got the patience to then be like, all right, Chase is off the board. I'm gonna wait until day three to pick up the wide receiver a wide receiver who's then going to go on to and again i don't think anyone could have known this anyone that like i'm sure he had some great like upside ideas in the scouting for it but the idea that he's going to break roy williams rookie yards is uh something else i i wonder how much credit we should give him to believing that that he's going to drop into the into day three and how much he gets for and how much is just kind of luck is that that, that he fell that far because i mean if, if if the team ahead of them picks i'm on st brown then what does this team do like it was a risk but it paid it paid the hell off so i guess i guess you can't really criticize there uh the i'm on st brown pick was so good that it has warped fans like their ability to like think that Brad Holmes didn't hit an absolute home run with this pick. <laughs> and like, what I mean by that is like, it's warped their talent perception. Like, Oh, like they don't have to get a wide receiver in the first or second round. They'll just get one later. People are calling the, him later a, a wide receiver yeah. one. Yeah. They're calling him wide receiver one. Well, yeah. which like it, it's it's their, their idea of the value of a fourth round pick. It's yeah. totally warped their perception of value. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and like, that's how good I'm on Ross St. Brown has been like, <laughs> I, it, I, I wonder if that same warp and, and I'm not trying to transition to the next pick, but like, maybe that's why people are disappointed, maybe more disappointed with Derek Barnes than yeah. they should be. Well, that is yeah. a good place to jump in there because like, yeah, no. So then we get down to the sixth round and again, so, like this, this is the problem. Fourth, right? Derek Barnes yes. was fourth. He was fourth. Excuse me, but he yeah. was their six, six pick. Yeah, I, I, you, we have these labels pick six. My brain keeps like triggering. I'm sorry. But well, yeah, like, yeah, it, the, la- the last two picks are like Derek Barnes and Jamar Jefferson, which again, when you're picking, when, when you're on your sixth pick, like, I don't think you're really, um, you're not going to get, um, again, it's kind of like trying to get those, those bargain bin veterans in free agency. Your, your, your hit ratio is just not going to be too great, but again, he's also a rookie too. So, and uh, go ahead, Ryan, whatever your name is. Yeah, no, I just, whatever, whatever. Um, The the only thing I wanted to say was that I I think I want to give Derek Barnes more of an incomplete grade than I want to give Afatu Melifanwu. Okay. Um, Based solely on the point that I, I think Brad Holmes had a right to like say this during his press conference, but like 
you know, this was a transitionary year for Derek Barnes. Like he just started playing linebacker in his final season at Purdue. Like this is a guy who is like still learning the position. So I I think if there's anybody who deserves an incomplete grade, it's a guy who truly did get thrusted in to an opportunity to, to take over for Jamie Collins, but it didn't happen. And I think that frustrated so many fans and it kind of like turned a lot of people off to Derek Barnes or, or like question the coaching staff in a way where it was like, no, I think the coaching staff knows what they're doing with Derek Barnes. They're using him very sparingly because this is a guy who still needs to learn the position. And I think the, the, the best part of Brad Holmes press conference was when he talked about the progression he saw in Barnes from, from one week to another. Um, And I think it was the, it was the Packers game where he was like just in the right position to make that play. Yeah. Um, if I'm remembering it correctly on the, yeah, the, the last touchdown catch. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think it was the Alan Lazard catch. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he catches the touchdown and Derek Barnes is like right there to make the play, but he doesn't quite get a hand on it. But Brad Holmes says like weeks ago, prior to that, we, I, I, we don't think that Derek Barnes would have even been in that position to make that play. Right. So like that kind of progression is, is a, is a great, great thing to be encouraged by with Derek Barnes. True. The, the only thing I really have to add here is that we have to remember that the Brad Holmes traded up for this pick. And so it, it eventually, you know, they, they get a seventh round in return, uh, but they send this year's fourth round pick. So lines don't have a fourth round pick this year. So that's something that we have to kind of, bake into this formula when, when some, you know, when it's all said and done Um, because this was, this was essentially a high fourth round pick. And so if they're trading next year's fourth round pick for it um, and, and, and also you obviously losing another pick in the, in the mix there, it's, it's worth expecting, I think maybe a little bit more than a normal fourth round pick. I think, I think the expectation is to, is to have a starter. And so did he he flash enough for you guys then, I guess in 2021, I think so. I mean, we, we have to remember like this dude was balling out in the preseason. I know preseason doesn't matter that much, but flashes do matter. The, we saw the sideline to sideline speed. We saw the instincts. We saw the tackling ability. That's the one thing like he's, he, he seems like Jared Davis, except he can tackle. Yeah. And, and he needs to catch up mentally. And that's something that Jared Davis struggled with his entire career. So I think there's enough there to feel optimistic that he can grow into a potential starter, but I'm not sure we even see it next year. It's, it's going to take some time. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't have an opinion one way or the other. I, all I say is like, I look at this draft and I don't see anything where I'm like, this was a real reach and miss for, for anything. Like, and I mean, we haven't talked Jamar Jefferson. I don't know if there's much talk on Jamar Jefferson. He looked, he looked fine for the little bit he played before he, you know, lost his entire season. So, which, which just kind of sucks, but you can't really plan for that. Jeremy's just looking for an opportunity to, to pile on special teams don't matter and running backs don't matter. <laughs> and you know what? Add to the list, seventh round, seventh round picks don't matter. Like, I'm sorry, Jamar Jefferson. Like, the Lions kind of have their running back situation figured out. Um, they figured out Craig Reynolds is pretty good. They figured out Godwin Iguabuki when he's I just, not fumbling but the ball. It's just, I, I don't, like, I, I, nothing here felt like, oh, the Lions like took a bat to this swung mist and it cost them a lot. Like we're, we're talking about, I we, I, I have to always grade on the fact that the Raiders went and took Alex Leatherwood in the first round last year. I mean, yeah. Like Alex Leatherwood was not a first round tackle. 
there, there was there you other teams can make high profile swings and misses. And I just don't see anything here where I'm like, yeah, they really botched us. And the, the I mean, only, the only one that might bite them is Levi. And again, we're, we're yeah, in year like, one. We have to, yeah, it's year one. And by the way, you have like, you also drafted McNeil and you can, there's, there's plenty of other tackles that come through these, these drafts too. I don't think it's ever going to really like be a long-term worry if you miss on one of the tackles that you drafted, I mean, one of the defensive tackles you drafted, there's nothing here where it's like, this was, this was a critical thing you needed to hit on. You found a lot of guys with some development who could do development. And like, we haven't even talked about the undrafted. We don't really have time to do UDFAs, but I mean, we've, we've talked plenty about this year about AJ Parker and Jerry Jacobs. And we not, not for the greatest reasons, but we've talked some Brock Wright as well. I mean, yeah. and Jerry, uh, Jerry Kramer, whatever, Tommy Kramer, like Tommy four, Kramer, four yeah. guys that started games for them, UDFA is like that deserves to be in the pros section of yes. our, of our annual uh, yeah. uh, report here. Of, of so like, I, I mean, I, I feel like if we're going to find any trouble with it, it's going to be on Zarike or it's going to be nitpicking. And again, I feel like yeah, the fail, the, the fail, the fail, if on does fail, that's, that's a small drop against all everything else too. So um yeah i mean I, if, if you get if you get two elite guys mm-hmm. one starter and you miss on a second round pick it's not it's it's still like a B that's a good strength. clip that's a good clip for the nfl yeah well i have a real sickos question based on what jeremy just said too so you would obviously hope that panay and amon ra are like the two guys that stick around for a long time in detroit yep. if you could have a third guy from this class be somebody who sticks around and makes a big impact. Who would you want that third guy to be? I think I have my answer. Go it's, ahead, it's, Chris. it's McNeil. It's McNeil for me. I think he's just a, he's I, again, I, I, I look at him, I see the penetration he gets and I just think, man, he needs edge help to help clean up sometimes. This is tough. Cause I, I'm mostly viewing this question as a positional value question because would the lines be best off if a linebacker balls out? What about a, a three-tech defensive tackle in Levi? What about a nose tackle? What about a cornerback in Melvin? What about a corner? Yeah. yeah. Especially, all, especially all if those are high value. Could yeah, potentially be like, I'm, I'm stuck between Levi and Barnes personally, because those are two positions that, that have just been so barren of talent for this team for so long, a pass rushing defensive tackle and a, and a three down linebacker. Um, I, I think I'm leaving Barnes. Like I, I would love to see Barnes play out, but there's also part of me. is just like, can we just get a second round pick? Right. And so I kind of want to leave <laughs> Levi as well. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've got a few minutes left. So but what we're going to do final grade for Brad Holmes. What do you think? I'm, I'm going to cut this between free agency and draft and then an overall grade. Is that, is that okay? Yeah. 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 Free agency. I think there's, too much of a mixed bag there. And, and it's almost, it's almost like an incomplete too, because he just didn't have the resources this year. Um, and, and like we said, like part of the idea with this off season was let the young guys play. So free agency doesn't matter as much, mm-hmm. but there were some misses there. There were some misses on, on talent there. So I'm going to, I'm going to go C minus on, on free agency grade. I think it could have been better. Um, he made, I think the best choices that he made in free agency were not retaining players rather than adding players that that are going to stick around um but draft i'm like full-on b plus a minus um i think you you 
it's not a hundred percent clear yet, but it's pretty clear. You may have gotten two elite talents in your first four picks and that's more than enough. First five picks technically. Um, so I'm going to go a minus that, put those together and we'll, we'll call it a, a solid B, maybe a B plus for, for Brad Holmes in his first year. If I'm going to do the same grading, I'm, I'm going to say C plus for free agency. Um, it sucks that Romeo Aquara got hurt too. Yeah. I mean like that, like, like two free agent decisions that he had to make in house and he nailed both of them. Like if it wasn't for Romeo's injury, I think we would have saw a really, really good pass rusher. Um, because that's everything that the beginning of the season suggested. And, you know, you, you didn't invest all that money in Kenny Galladay. Like, I mean, think about the first few moves that Brad Holmes made, like the Stafford trade, choosing to bring back Aquara to send out Galladay. Like he nailed all of those. Yeah. I, I don't want to get too caught up in like, Trinity Benson or, you know, some of the, you know, one Rashad year, Behrman. some of the, yeah, some of the, you know, one year deals that just didn't pan out. So, but also give him a C plus and uh, the, the draft grade, he, he gets a B plus, but somehow that manages to like equal out to being a B plus to me. Like, cause, cause like, like that's the PFF grades where it's like 70, 70, but overall 85. Yeah, I think, I think you value the, it's about what the weight is. And I guess I'm waiting like, me, him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're waiting the draft more, which is what I'm doing. I guess I'm just going to do B plus overall. Which is um, ultimately not as, the most important, right, Chris? That's like true. the draft yeah. matters much more than free agency. Yeah, and again, like as I, I keep going back to the fact that it's like this is a lot of his moves in free agency is basically the swing and miss, uh, high swing and miss probabilities. But I mean, Charles Harris is really good, really good pickup. I don't know what else to say. So, but yeah, I'll do B plus. I know we got to get out of here, so I just want to make that real quick. Um, yeah, that's Brad Holmes. That's Brad Holmes. We gave out the grades. Congratulations. Uh, we'll talk about draft soon because uh, he's going to be right back in the saddle. I'm going to suggest this live right now, but like, I feel like we should also grade Dan Campbell this. Oh yeah. This offseason too. Oh, no, no, oh, trust yes. me. We will. We will. There's other things I want to get to before we start grading him. I don't know if I can do another 90 minute pod on just grades. Yeah. Chris, I don't know if we can do, I'm a not seven, a te- I don't know if we can do a, a 17 week breakdown of I'm on Ross St. Brown for one podcast. Though. No, we can't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could go through every game. But I yeah. won't. Save All us. right. Yeah. Let's get out of here. So this has been a long pod here. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Check us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash pride Detroit. Still going strong there. Everything continues to the off season. So download us, go to Spotify, rate us up to five stars because that, uh, that helps us out a lot for myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews. See you star side. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot 
because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.